We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. It's an emergency pod. Debo Samuel's contract is done. So I'm Kyle Madsen. Chris Biederman going to join me shortly. Also, Nick Wagner is going to jump on with us. Nice guy. Going to hop on for a second straight pod. We're going to talk about the Debo stuff. Let's go. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. An emergency pod needs a shortened intro because we got to get to the content. Debo Samuel, three years, 73.5 million, up to 73.5 million, I should say, 58.1 million guaranteed. And Chris, this seems like you, I mean, you said when the DK Metcalf contract came out, you're like, if I'm the Niners, I'm doing that contract yesterday. And for the most part, they did the DK Metcalf contract with just a little bit less guaranteed. Yeah, I think it's it's a good deal for the 49ers because ultimately the deal that I was fearing they might sign would be one of these five-year contracts like they gave D Ford or Eric Armstead or Weston Richburg. Um, and we saw that with the exception of, you know, Armstead's a good player on his deal still, but because those guys had injury issues, those long-term contracts ultimately hindered the 49ers a little bit and didn't didn't turn out to be ideal moves, right? So the fact that, you know, they they extend Debo Samuel's contract for three seasons, it's a little funny. The the average per year, at least the initial numbers, are half a million more than DK Metcalf. The 73 million is $1 million. Uh, 73 and a half million, excuse me, is $1.5 million more than DK Metcalf's deal, just based on what's being reported, right? I think it's it, it's obviously incredibly important to point out we don't have the full structure yet. So we, as the structure comes out, we'll know more about this contract. But um, it's a good deal for the 49ers because they're not locked into a five-year contract. It's ultimately four years. Um, and I think throughout the life of the deal, it's not going to be um, – it's going to be revisited, I feel like, at some point, right? Like it's the first two years are essentially guaranteed based on that $53 million uh, number that's been reported. So 
you know, after two years, if Debo Samuel's really good, would it surprise anybody if he tried to get back to the negotiating table to say, hey, I want a new long-term deal with new money? And at that point, would the 49ers, you know, buckle down again and say, well, we don't know if, if we want to commit to you financially beyond what we already have. Does this end in a trade? I don't know. But the possibility's open, and I think it's good for the 49ers to eventually have that in uh in their hand if they want to down the road but it's a good deal in the meantime and for samuel it being only three years if he plays as well as he wants as he thinks he will um he'll have another bite at the apple and a chance to get another big contract so i think it's a win for both sides i think the way the salary caps going up um over these next few years it'll be perfectly palatable particularly since the 49ers will have a quarterback playing on a rookie contract in trey lance yeah, it kind of gets them to the point they thread that needle a little bit between not necessarily having to pay him long term, but if he if he does get hurt or he doesn't produce at as high of a level, they're not they're not um, they're not like where they are with the D Ford situation where they're trying to kick money down the road and and they yeah. wind up having that that cost them for a while. Nick, what do you think of these numbers? Yeah, I mean, it's, as Chris said, it's about what you expected. You know, we, we joked the other day when I was on here about, you know, that the Niners needing that sixth big receiver contract to really hone in on what the what the parameters for a Debo deal would be. But it always makes sense when you're the last kind of the last domino to fall that you're going to be the guy who exceeds whatever it was that was just before you. And so I'm sure that was what Tory Dandy wanted was to make sure that all of the deals that he did this offseason, and, you know, he did, I think he had Mike Williams back in the spring for the Chargers. They had Terry McLaurin as well. So he's he's had quite a year, but I'm sure he wanted to make sure each one was at least incrementally bigger than the one before that. And, and we, you know, we also discussed the idea of that five-year, you know, the Niners usually prefer four or five-year deals versus three. Um, and in this case, I think they're, they were okay with acquiescing to what, what Debo wanted. And it seems like that three-year deal and the option to, to have that other bite of the apple was something that was important. Um, it was something that was important to DK Metcalf. I know that was reported. And so um, it makes sense here again, although Debo's a little bit older. Um, so for the 49ers, you know, even if they had signed him to a five-year deal, it probably would have looked more like a three-year deal anyway, just in terms of the guarantees. So it really doesn't matter that much. Um, I'll, I'll be interested to see where the guarantees are, how big the signing bonus is, because the Niners are traditionally – yes, I know, Kyle, structure, we'll see. Uh, but uh, I, I, I do – I do. we'll be interested to see what the signing bonus looks like because that's the one way – uh, that you can't get, you know, the one thing you can't get out of that, that would have been over a longer period of time. But again, having it in three years, even if it's $30 million, well, you know what the amortization is. It's $10 million each of those three years, and that's that. I'm, in, I'm also curious to see what they put into this year, what his number is going to be for 2022, because um, one of the things that we've seen and one of the big sticking points when the Kittle deal got done was the Niners love to put those big roster bonuses in like April 1 for the following season and Kittle didn't Kittle wanted that earlier. Kittle wanted that more guaranteed because that, you know, the Niners, it gives them all a free agency to look elsewhere and all those types of things. So Kittle's deal, it has that guarantee the year before. So Kittle's guarantee for April 1 of 2022 that kicks in is for 2023. So those kinds of things that I'll be, I'll be interested to see, but in the end, like you, you think, I believe that the best part of this is that the Niners are buying 
Debo Samuel's prime. These three years will be the best that you, you know, they may be maybe not better than last year because last year was really good too, but these should be the best years of Debo Samuel's career. His playing style lends itself to maybe not having as long of a prime as other great receivers. Um, but this will also, as, as Chris has pointed out to me uh, off air when we were talking about this, is it will be very imperative for him if he wants the other bite of that apple to continue to kind of expand his game, become a better route runner, be better versus man coverage, those types of things um, if he wants to get another one. But I think for both sides, this is a good marriage and um, it's not, it's not a huge, you know, revolutionary thing to say, good job by the Niners to sign a really good player. And he got <laughs> a lot of money. Like there it is. So now, now the, the contract value is up to 73 and a half million dollars. How much do you guys think, if any, did they did they maybe solve that that quote unquote issue of his role with the running back stuff with incentives? Like how much of that seventy three and a half million, if any, do you think is tied up in forty rushes, fifty rushes, or X amount of touches or whatever it is? I think there's certainly an element to that. The the thing, and though maybe those those numbers will come out. Um, but I think the thing that's that's important to keep in mind is it's just mutually beneficial for Debo Samuel not to be used as a running back, like right. exclusively, right? Like the 49ers do not want their most expensive skill player now to age like a running back, right? And Debo Samuel would would be best off, as Nick said, like evolving his game and being a more well-rounded player, not just somebody and I'm not saying he is because he was among the league leaders in, re- in receiving early on in the season but like he needs to expand his game so he's not so valuable because you just give him the ball you know give him 12 touches a game where you know he's he's getting tackled by linebackers and defensive linemen a lot like you know the the 49ers in an ideal scenario with everybody healthy Debo Samuel will not have to be relied on as heavily as he was last year in large part because you know, the running back group is deeper and probably more talented this year than it has been since Debo Samuel got drafted in 2019. Um, And so with Ty Davis price, with Jeff Wilson, um, maybe with Trey Sermon, um, you know, certainly Elijah Mitchell is somebody who I think the Niners will lean on heavily. Like they probably with those guys, they shouldn't have to ask Debo Samuel to carry the ball five, six, seven times a game like he did late last season. Um, but I don't think Kyle Shanahan at the same token is going to say, well, you know, there are incentives in this contract. Um, <laughs> there, there are incentives in this contract. Therefore, I'm not going to dial up a, a running play to Debo. Like, I don't think Kyle Shanahan is going to care about that at all or think about that at all when he's creating his game plan um, during the week and, and calling plays on Sundays. So, um I'm sure there are going to be some incentives and there's probably some philosophical sticking points that I don't really know how much you could just have in a contract and really live by. Like, I, I think that might, that might be complicated, but um, you know, we'll see, but I think overall it benefits both sides to not utilize Debo the same way he was last year. Yeah. And they will be incentives, not addendums. Let's be very clear on that. Um, <laughs> that's a, that's a big buzzword right now, but I, I think the thing that you're looking, you're not going to see like, Oh, he only you anything over 50 carries. He gets X amount. Of, it's going to be more of like, if he, if he rushes for this many yards, then it's this, or if it's, 
you know, he rushes for this many touchdowns, then it's an extra this, like that, that kind of stuff where it is literally incentivizing him to continue doing that at some mm-hmm. level. But yeah, it was just such a drastic turn at the end of the year because of those injuries. It was born out of necessity, which we talked you know, we talked about that the other day. And like the first nine weeks of the season, I think Debo averaged 0.7 rushes per game. So less than right. one rush attempt per game. And he was averaging six receptions a game. And then for the rest of the season, after week 10, it was 7.3 rushes a game and 3.5 receptions. So seven times as many rushes and about half the reception. So, you know, there's a happy medium to be found there. I, I think you can, I think you can find a way that to find, to make sure that he uh, is getting his, the, the touches that take advantage of the fact that he is your best skill player, but also, uh, you know, you're not putting him in harm's way and you're giving him an opportunity to, you know, extend his career and do the things he does. And the other thing about Tebow is, you know, we talk about him playing running back. It's when he plays receiver, he's, he's just like his playing style is such that, it's what makes him great. Like it's a, it's kind of mm-hmm. one of those two, like double-edged sword type of situations. Like you don't want him to stop doing the thing that makes him great. And I don't just mean like wide back. I mean, running through people's faces and, and, you know, taking on guys in the open field and lowering his shoulder and all those types of things. So um, I, I, I think that everybody's on, you know, Kyle Shanahan said everyone's on the exact same page. I don't know. We don't know exactly what that means in terms of touches and all those kinds of things, but um, it, you know, I think it'd be crazy to assume that the 49ers are going to stop feeding him the ball as much as they can uh, after paying him this kind of money. It's just a matter of, you know, the way that balances out will probably be a little bit different. So he's been doing a hold-in where he's been in the facility, but off excuse me, off to the side doing sprints and conditioning drills while the team is practicing. You figure he'll be back in practice Monday. We're recording this Sunday, uh, Sunday evening. So he'll be back in practice Monday for when the pads come on. How important is it? And was this an incentive at all for the 49ers to get him into practice working with Trey Lance and making sure that a, the weapons around Lance are as good as possible for his first season because that's been a theme, I feel like, of these press conferences <clears throat> during camp. It's been, well, hey, this is a really good team. Trey's not going to have to do much. How, much. how much of the incentive for the Niners was getting him on the field, on the same page with Lance, and how much of it was just getting him on the field, period? We're getting them there, ASAP versus getting him on the field period. This was this was kind of the way it was designed. I mean, I was I was very confident that this was going to get done today or maybe tomorrow morning, which it probably will be both because they agreed today and maybe he signs tomorrow morning or maybe he signs tonight, whatever. But they they all along wanted it was there's no hard deadline here, right? This isn't a franchise tag guy where you you reach a certain deadline and then you can't sign him to a kind. It was, but they wanted to make sure that he could get in there right when they started to wear, have pads on. It was like an unofficial deadline of sorts. And I'd had multiple people in the building tell me that. I reported that last week a couple times and um and and it worked out. And it was just it was it was kind of a natural thing anyway. It was it was just you know, they've always kind of tried to make sure that that's the case is before the pads come on, have things done. And the interesting thing about Debo is is you know, there had been times in his in, in earlier seasons where he showed up to camp and wasn't in the best shape. Uh, and it was a concern for the 49ers. It wasn't last year. Last year he came in ready to go. You saw the, what the results were. And seeing him on the side, even running on the side during conditioning and all that stuff while the team is practicing – he looks really good. Um, even even Matt Barrows, who who Chris likes to joke about, uh, <laughs> is able to tell if somebody's weight is like point one 
10 ounce off or whatever, based on the previous year, it says like, he looks really lean. He looks really good. And, and, and I agree he does. So I think he's ready to go now. Do I think they're going to just throw him into practice on Monday and he's going to be taking all the reps with the first team and all that kind of stuff? No, I think that I'm sure, I'm sure he will be involved in some capacity more than what he had been. But the good news is, is again, th- it's so important for Trey Lance to have, as much stability and continuity around him as possible and um, having him like his cache of weapons, what they actually can work with is going to be good. And I wouldn't be at all surprised if over this next week, uh, some of Lance's numbers and things like that get better uh, with the pads on and, and with having kind of that, you know, uh, full weaponry available. Although we all know Kyle Shanahan likes to rotate those receivers through. So Debo could be catching passes from Brock Purdy for all I know by Tuesday. So. <laughs> We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, one one thing I think is is interesting going forward, kind of spinning this thing forward. Like we know Trey Lance has a good relationship with Brandon Ayuk, right? We know Brandon Ayuk is also entering a a contract year year, or I guess um, his third season, and will be eligible for a new contract after this. And you know, looking at the 49ers cap situation, once they get rid of Jimmy's contracts, it looks like they could have you know fifty million dollars. Um, and this is obviously before uh, before Debo's contract is factored in, before Nick Bosa's eventual contract is factored in. For 2023, they could have 50 million in cap space, and that could potentially, you know, that the point point here is that they could pay Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel. Like that 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 scenario does exist, and I'm wondering if the 49ers are going to be willing to pay. Um, you know, $50 million a season to their starting two receivers. Um, if Brandon Ayuk does take a Debo Samuel like step, and we're obviously a very far, uh, we, we have a long way to go before we would ever get to that conversation because Debo or because Brandon Ayuk was a first round pick, the 49ers will have his fifth year option. But I do wonder what the offense is going to look like, what Debo Samuel's numbers are going to look like if the rest of the supporting cast stays healthy, if the running backs stay healthier. 
if IU takes a substantial leap, if George Kittle is a bigger part of the passing game. Like, I, I wonder what it's going to look like, how it's going to impact Brandon Ayuk's future and, and just what that dynamic is going to look like because – to Nick's point, continuity is going to be really important for, for Trey Lance and having two really good receivers for a long time could go a long way. And I just wonder if Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel, you know, beyond two years from now are going to be with the 49ers. And I know that's like way down the road, but it's just something that's going to be interesting because um, you do wonder if the 49ers are going to be willing to pay or going to be wanting to pay so much money um, potentially for two wide receivers when we, we know that receiver is probably the deepest position in the league right now. And mm-hmm. I do wonder if like all these guys getting paid, if the market's going to course correct at any point and teams are just going to say, or like more teams are going to do what the chiefs did and say, Hey, instead of paying a receiver $30 million, we'll just go draft one in the first round or first or second round or whatever, because a lot of times that works if, you, if you're good at scouting receivers. So just curious, like, and we can talk about this way down the line, but just what the future of the 49ers offense beyond the next couple of years looks like with Trey Lance and all the, all this money coming up, um, I think is going to be fascinating. I did feel like Debo had a little bit of leverage in this situation, because as you start talking about him on the field with Brandon Ayuk and with George Kittle, the 49ers offense just, I feel like without Debo Samuel in it just has a lot less teeth. Like the style that he plays with, the volume of touches he gets. Like if he's not on the field week one, yeah, you still have Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle, but it's it's like um, it's like Elijah Mitch- or uh, Jawan Jennings is your wide receiver too, and I just don't, I don't feel like that's scaring anybody. It's so, like you're missing eight touches, like two or three of which could be big explosive plays. Right. Or it's it's, it's and, definitely and just the physicality that he plays with too. Yeah, it's that home run element that he brings. Like, I, I, I always want, like, uh, I'm sure people probably could correct me. Like, I don't know what the Madden ratings would look like, but, um, you know. He's an 87. They have speed, right? But but they also have acceleration. Aren't there two different categories? Like, I feel like Debo yeah. speed-wise is probably not at the elite level, but acceleration he might be or should mm-hmm. be um, because he just has that ability that, you know, we saw. And that was what the amazing thing when he was running the ball so much. It was all of those touchdown runs, it wasn't like he was pounding in from three yards out. It was all like 20-plus yard runs where he just, you know, rip it off the side and all of a sudden he's gone. And so um, that that element, that explosive element, isn't just big plays. It's big plays that end in touchdowns and uh, in short drives. And I think that taking this back to Trey Lance and tying it into that, that is a huge, huge factor because like we talked about the other night, with Trey Lance, you're probably going to take a step back in terms of some of the you know the, the the intermediate short completion percentage and those types of things, but you need to be able to hit those home runs. And th- in theory, one of the things Trey Lance brings to the table is the ability to hit the home run, not just with the deep ball, but also giving catch and run opportunities for guys like Debo Samuel. And so that is that's critically important where you're not asking Trey Lance to string together you know 15 play drives where he goes eight for eight or whatever. You know, like that's that's going to be a, a huge part of his development, particularly in the, in the early going. So uh, yeah, I mean, and again, not, not, you know, reinventing the wheel to say Debo having Debo Samuel around is good for Trey Lance. Uh, he's good for any quarterback, but he really is just given the situation that they're in right now. And to Kyle's point, he did have some leverage because I think he knows he was, he was the guy last year, undoubtedly at times that just carried this team. Um, but he probably won't be asked to do that as much, but nonetheless, just having a guy who's capable of doing that, it changes the complexion of the entire offense. 
unrelated to the kind of contract side of this and just kind of talking about Debo the player. Nick, you were talking about some of those runs he had and the one against the Cowboys in the playoffs stands out. And then it wasn't a run, but it was a, a screen pass, the touchdown that he scored against the Rams. And he did this a lot. It feels like a, like at some point, defenses are going to realize like, hey, this guy's faster than we think he is and change the angles they take. How many defensive backs had an angle on him that he pulled away from this year because he's just like faster than I think people realize. And it's part of the acceleration you talked about. But I just, every time he would score a touchdown, I'd be like, okay, well, that's the last one that defenses are going to misjudge the angle. Well, <laughs> and then it I just happened again. <laughs> the funny thing is, is you very rarely see a guy with that acceleration, the combination of that acceleration with the physicality. Mm-hmm. And so you're seeing a lot of those guys that it looks like they're taking a bad angle, but they're kind of just making a business decision. And that's, <laughs> and that's, and that's really the way it is. You see a lot avoiding of smoke. Yeah. When, when Kittle and Debo in particular, both those guys uh, get ahead of steam, you, you see those business decisions once or twice a game. It seems like smoke avoidance. <laughs> yeah. And, and talking about Trey Lance, like what's what, who's the quarterback, the first year starting quarterback that we Trey really Lance. like, no, that that like think about the last decade, like the first year, the first time starting quarterback that had like an ideal situation, right? It's Dak Prescott in 2016. And Dak Mark. Prescott as a rookie, they went 13 and three. I'm ju- I'm just looking at the uh, at the Pro Football Reference page. His leading receivers: Cole Beasley has 75 catches, 833 yards. Jason Witten, 69 catches, um, 673 yards. Des Bryant's 50 catches, 796 yards. It's a pretty good group of skill guys, right? Mm-hmm. I would say Trey Lance, just in terms of situations, that situation compa- compares pretty favorably to that 2016 Cowboys team who probably had a, who I actually not probably definitely had a better offensive line, at least on the interior, but the 49ers still have, you know, they still have Trent Williams. The point here is that like, if you just look at the circumstances, Trey Lance is stepping into, yeah, there are questions about him. He hasn't played a whole lot of football. But just knowing how well the 49ers defense is playing at training camp and just the possibility that, hey, this might be as good as the 2019 defense and looking at Trey Lance's skill position players now that the Debo Samuel question has been answered, like this is this is about as ideal as it gets for a first year starting quarterback, particularly when you also factor in Kyle Shanahan and his ability to mask deficiencies probably as well as any offensive play designer in, in football. So I think there's there are reasons to be optimistic, and I think one of the th- one of the themes we're going to see throughout the season, at, particularly until you know September and October, Trey Lance is not going to have a full plate in terms of like spread him out five wide, pass the ball fifty times a game. Like I, you know, I, I think Trey Lance is really set up to be in a prime position to succeed, and he's not going to have to do a whole lot. And look, mm-hmm. like you can succeed with a first time starting quarterback. We've seen that happen. If you like, I don't know if that the 49ers will win the Super Bowl, but that Dallas team went 13 and three, right? The Patrick Mahomes team, the first time he was starting went far and he carried a lot of the water on that team, but Trey Lance won't have to carry a lot of water on this team. And now getting Debo Samuel back paid, hopefully happy and healthy. Like I think, I think Trey Lance might end up being better this season just because he's going to be propped up than a lot of people are expecting solely based on his body of work to this point. That Chiefs team had Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill and then Sammy Watkins. (laughs) 
190 catches between those two guys. Basically, half the receptions went to two players. That's yeah. nuts. But, like, it's not crazy to compare this situation that Trey Lance is stepping into now with the 2016 one that Dak Prescott well, had, is it? No. And it's because, I mean, we talked about it that draft. It was a team coming off two years removed from a Super Bowl who was drafting third overall. And now it's a team coming off an NFC championship game that for the most part kept all of its key pieces. You can, you know, Alex Mack and, and like Tomlinson are, are pretty big losses, but for the most part kept all their pieces Another inserting a number three overall pick. Like that's, that's a it's hard to have a better situation than that. So I'm really interested to see though, because you guys have, you guys have been out there at practice. Does it seem like vision? Like, are they, noticeably trying to is Lance is it noticeable that he's trying to push that ball down the field more than they were have we not is there just not enough information yet because that's what I think when people ask like hey what's the offense going to look like it's like I think it's going to look relatively similar we're just going to see more downfield passing yeah I mean it's it's hard to say that they're like doing it on purpose but because I think there are I think there are scenarios in which Jimmy G had those uh, the the option to do that, but he just simply didn't take it. Um, and I think Trey is more willing to take it uh, to push the ball down the field. So I think I think it's some of that, but also yeah, it is it is too early to say. And um, I I just think that as a natural function of what Trey Lance does well, uh, that's going to be a bigger part of the offense. All right, last thing before we get out of here. And Chris, I'll start with you. Do you think that this facilitates any kind of movement with Jimmy Garoppolo? No, I think I think other things are going to facilitate what happens with Jimmy Garoppolo. I think uh, um, there's probably going to be some news on Monday about that. I'll, I'll let I'll let Nick hit on that one. Uh, I I just think Nick. that I, I don't think that they're necessarily intrinsically tied. I think it's going to work out in a way that does. But I think the thing that they're tied to is that there is there is another shoe to drop from a quarterback standpoint and it's going to drop on Monday uh Deshaun Watson in Cleveland it has long been rumored that that is a possible landing spot for Jimmy Garoppolo and I believe that if that suspension is lengthy so six plus games eight plus games whatever it is um, I think there's a, a good chance that that will be the situation that kind of develops for Jimmy Garoppolo. And um, I think there's some belief um, around the league that that is going to be ultimately be the marriage. So there is a chance that there'll be some resolution on both of these things in a relatively short period of time, which I'm sure the 49ers would be more than happy to have uh, so they don't have to talk about it anymore and they can just get to football. Excited for football. Big football guys. Pads are popping. They are a football team, so it's right there in the name. <laughs> Pads are popping. Chris is hoping passes aren't popping. And <laughs> we'll see you guys. We'll, we'll be back on a, on a normal schedule, more training camp takeaways. And we'll have an emergency pod if and when the Jimmy Garoppolo news does drop. Subscribe, rate, review, tell your friends. We appreciate you. Nick, thanks. Chris, thanks. See you guys. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. 
Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.